Good morning. How's everybody? Awesome, awesome. You guys sound great. What a great, uh, what a great time of worship and singing. Thank you guys. Happy Mother's Day, first of all. So happy Mother's, Mother's Day to uh, all the moms out there. If it were not for you, we would not be here today, literally. Just saying. Uh, so just uh, thank you guys for, for being here today and, and choosing to worship with us. If you have a Bible, you can go ahead and open up to the New Testament book of Acts. Acts, we're going to continue our series, The Gospel Continued. Uh, We just started this series uh, several weeks back, so if you've missed any of the weeks, you can go uh, to our website and online, and you can listen to the previous uh, sermons. But we're going to be in Acts chapter 2, and if you don't have a Bible, there should be a Bible somewhere in the vicinity of where you're sitting either under the seat or down the row. Uh, it should be a hardback black Bible. If you don't own a Bible, you can take that Bible, and that's our gift to you. Um, Acts chapter 2, I think in those Bibles is like page eight, 880-something. Anyways, I don't want to double-check me on that if, if you want to. But Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. And I'm actually going to start in verse 40. The words will be on the screen for you this morning as well. This is right after Jesus' disciple Peter has preached the first sermon at Pentecost. We studied that a couple of weeks ago. And uh, verse 40 it says, And with many other words he, Peter, bore witness and continued to exhort them, the crowd, that was there that day, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, and the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Would you pray with me? Father God, we just thank you. Uh, already for just an amazing time of worship, uh, singing through, uh, through music uh, together, God, just lifting our voices. You and you alone are worthy. Uh, God, as we sang, you and you alone are holy. Uh, Father, you, you're not just holy, but you are holy, holy, holy. And um, God, we recognize this morning that uh, we are far from you. God, that we are sinners And we recognize this morning, God, that we need your grace and mercy. And we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his life that he lived that we could not live. We thank you for his perfect righteousness that we receive when we put our faith and trust in him. Uh, God, we thank you for that, that, that grace and mercy, God, the way that you love us. And we just pray, God, as we continue to worship you through your word, that, uh, man, just as they did that day, God, that they would, uh, just as their hearts were we're, we're pierced and cut. Father, I pray that today that your spirit would continue to move and that, uh, man, our hearts would just be convicted and that we would see ourselves for who we are in light of who Jesus is and what he has done for us. 
and that uh, we would see our need for him. Father, that is my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So there is nothing quite like seeing the birth of your children. And fortunately for me, I was blessed to be able to see all three of my kids be brought into this world. And I have a few photos that captured the moments that I wanted to share with you guys. And uh, so Gary, you can go ahead and start those photos. But Jude, that's Jude right there. He's our oldest. He's going to be eight this summer, which is hard to believe, eight years old. But he was our only non-C-section uh, birth of the three. And I'll be honest with you this morning, there is absolutely nothing that can prepare you for what you see when your newborn baby comes out for the first time, right? Anyone else testify to that, right? Listen, I was there. I witnessed the whole thing. It's an amazing thing, I'll tell you that. But nothing can prepare you for what you see when that baby comes out for the first time. And I had the camera on my neck ready to go, and I was stoked. And the nurses had warned us. They said, now listen, when Jude comes out, he's going to have a cone head. That's an understatement. I mean, listen, I don't care how much they say, it's nothing to prepare you. So he comes out, Jude comes out, and I am just horrified. Like, I, 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 my first thought was, we just gave birth to an alien. Like, I'm not talking about just conehead, but it was like, it was like over here, came back over here. And I, 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 literally, I, had a, I, I kid you not, my wife is there, she could tell you, uh, the, 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 the nurses and the doctor held him up. And they were all, like, so excited, and they were like, Dad, get pictures. I mean, I had the camera. I said, get pictures, get pictures. And I'm sitting there, and I literally, I'm like, no, I don't, I don't think so. You know, I don't think so. Uh, Judas Jude is not in here, by the way, so praise the Lord for that. But, uh, but listen, nothing can prepare you for that. That's, is that, is that Shepherd? Shepherd. That's our, that's, huh? Yeah. First, first service, man, I had no idea, man. I, I, that's Shepherd or Jude. That's Shepherd, right? That's Shepherd for sure. 100% Shepherd. That's Shepherd, I know. I'll go, back to the, go back to the previous one. The reason I know is that, that, was, uh, that was what my mom brought me home uh, from the hospital in, what he's wearing there. It's, uh, yeah, uh, I know. And, uh, and so that's, that's how I know that's Shepherd for sure. That's Asher. You notice I look over for confirmation, right? That's Asher too, right? That's Asher, okay? He's our youngest. That's Asher, correct? Okay. Uh, listen, man, I, they, when they are newborns, uh, you, can't, you can't tell. Robin, uh, listen, Robin can tell you we were walking down the hallway. We are in the hospital, Jude, first baby, and, uh, and the, the lady is pushing Jude down the hall. We're leaving to go to a class. This is our first baby, right? And uh, they're, they're, the, the nurse is bringing him back to the room. I had no idea. I walked right past, looked at the baby, and just kept walking. And Robin's behind me, and she says, did my husband just walk right past our baby? And she's like, he did. I like, she, t- she said, go to the nursery and see how he's doing. I went to the nursery. I see all these babies in there. I'm like, I don't know which one's mine. I have no idea. It's just hard, man. If you've never been there, you can't judge, right? So anyways, but listen, so that, that, that's, but the reason why I show those photos is because these verses that we just read in, in the book of Acts are considered the very first infant photo of the church, right? These verses, these verses in Acts are in essence the baby picture uh, on the birthday of the first church. And even though other things are going to take 
uh, shape and morph and develop and grow in the life of the church. For instance, as we continue to read through the book of Acts and study this, we're going to see that the leadership is put into place. We're going to see through the New Testament that the churches began to sing songs and worship uh, through that way. Um, much, much, like, much like my kids' photos, right? They don't look like that. They've, they've grown, praise the Lord, and, and, and morphed and changed and different things like that. Uh, the, the, but the basic elements of what the early church did is right there in Acts chapter 2. And so much of, of what is important in the life of God's people, right, what we do here this morning is found right there in that text. And so Peter, uh, as I said earlier, the, one of Jesus' disciples had just finished preaching the first gospel sermon, right? The sermon, it was, uh, we, we learned two weeks ago that it was a simple sermon, it was a scriptural sermon, and it was a Christ-centered, gospel-centered uh, sermon. As a matter of fact, he, he tells the, the crowds that are gathered there uh, that, hey, you are the ones who crucified Christ on the cross. And, and, and that would include us if we'd been there, right? We are the ones. Our sin, our, our rebellion against God is what put Jesus on the cross. And, and the crowd, uh, some of the people in the crowd actually, uh, that, that convicted them, they says they were cut to the heart uh, because they saw themselves in light of who Jesus is and, and what he has done for them. And they asked, they said, well, how, how can we be saved? What must we do? And Peter says, repent and turn from your sins and, and be baptized. And they, and they did, and they received the Holy Spirit. And in one day, the church grew from 120 to 3,000. Isn't that amazing? I mean, talk about an assimilation problem on your very first day. But, but what I want to show you from this text this morning is how this gospel, the good news, right? That's what gospel means, good news, that God lovingly sent his one and only son to this earth to, to die on the cross in our place. He was our substitute. He lived a life that you and I could not live, and he died the death that we should have died. This gospel good news, right? Uh, how this gospel forms community. Right, that's what I want to show you, how, how the gospel forms community. Because, listen to me, the same gospel that saves you is the same gospel that is going to change you and transform you. Right? We, we, are never, we will never get to the point where you say, hey, I, I'm ready to move on from the gospel. I've, I've graduated from the gospel. You'll never do that. Right? As, as long as, as you are here uh, coming to Chester Christian Church, you're going to hear the gospel preached week in and week out. You're going to hear that, that message because we, we never graduate from it. It's essential to everything that we do. If, listen, if we don't preach the gospel every single week, then what are we doing here? Right? That's what we need to hear. And as followers of Jesus, we have been called out. That's what the Bible says. Out of darkness, out of sin, and into light, in, in, into life. Uh, not, not so that we can live in isolation, right? But, but so that we can... Uh, join God on this mission together as a church, as a community of redemption, which means that our faith is not private. Yes, we have each been individually saved by Christ, but you are not the only individual who is saved, right? We, we are a team. We are a community that is being formed and tr transformed and formed by the gospel. And so two things that I want to show you from this text of how the community is formed by the gospel. The first thing is togetherness, unity. I want to show you how togetherness um, we're being formed, uh, formed by the gospel. And then the second thing is worship. 
right? So first, together. If you want to take a note, you want to write that down, uh, the first thing is together. Um, notice verse 44 says, And all who believed, okay, all who believed, as 3,000 were together and had all things in common. And again, in verse 46, it says, And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Now, it would be very easy for us to kind of read through this passage and, and blow by this and not even see what's happening here. But I want us to slow down because this is an absolutely amazing picture we have here. I mean, it says they were together. They, they were together not only in the temple, but they, they met together in their homes constantly, every day, continually. Right? Because, because of the large number of people that were saved in one day, uh, it was impossible for all 3,000 people to, to gather together uh, in, in the temple. It was, just wasn't big enough. And so I imagine what, what probably took place is, is you had groups of people that would, would go to the temple on this day. And while they were in the temple, the rest, everybody else, they would meet in homes with other, other Christians. And then that, that, another group would go to the temple another day. And while they were, yeah, just this constant day-to-day -day, uh, meeting together, uh, they were hungry for this new community. It's like they couldn't get enough of each other. I mean, that's, that's amazing, right? It's almost, like, it's almost like regular, everyday life was an interruption to this new community that had just been formed. That's amazing. And understand, man, together wasn't something that they did. It's not just that they came together or met together, but it says that they were together. They, they were apart, and now they're together. They were individuals, but now they are together. And, and here's the thing, man. P Peter, when he stands up and preaches that sermon at the end, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't try to guilt them and, and shame them and say, okay, guys, now you need to get together. Form this community and you need to be here every Sunday. You know, if you don't, he doesn't try to guilt them or shame them. He, he doesn't tell them to get together as a response uh, to a command, although coming together is a command in Scripture, right? Hebrews 10.24 says, Let us consider how to stir one another up to, to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, right? No, no, they, they were here together because of the gospel, because of what God had done for them through Jesus Christ, right? The gospel forms community. But, but I want to take it a step further, and I want to show you something that's, that's pretty amazing, uh, because I want you to think about who these people were, right? I mean, if we have to go back to earlier in chapter 2, and remember, it's Pentecost, which is one of the largest Jewish festivals of the year, right? So people from all over the world would travel to Jerusalem for this festival. It's kind of like a modern-day Mardi Gras, right? And Luke intentionally, the writer of, of Acts is Luke, and he intentionally lists uh, the different nations. Now, I'm not going to read through all the different nations. You can go back and look at that. But in chapter 2, verse 5, he says, Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem devout men, from every nation under heaven. There, there, there means there, was, there were Jews and Gentiles. More than likely Gentiles who had been converted to Judaism along the way some, some point in time. And the point that, that is made here is that this is a huge, diverse group of people in this crowd. Huge, diverse group of people. 
And yet it is incredible that this group of diverse people, listen to me, people of, of different color, people of different ethnicities, people who are rich and poor, people who are young and old, all of them were together and the scripture says that they had all things in common. I mean, doesn't that just blow your mind? There's a parallel passage uh, just a couple chapters later in Acts chapter 4, verse 32, where it says, Now the full number of those who had believed, and it is, this is, by this time it had grown even more, says were of one heart and soul. And no one said any of the things that belonged to him was his own, right? I mean, listen to me, the only explanation of their togetherness and their unity that they had is the gospel. The gospel is the only thing that can bring that diverse of a crowd together with that kind of, of unity. L- listen to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13 and 14. It's going to be on the screen for you. But this is what the Apostle Paul writes. He says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Listen to me, only the gospel can do this. Jesus' death on the cross restores not only our relationship vertically with God, but, but his death also restores our relationships horizontally with each other. Amen? I mean, that, that, that's how this happens, is right? Which means no matter our differences, no matter our preferences, no matter our color, no matter our, our, our divert, whatever it is, right? We all have a common bond, and that is, is that we are all sinners saved by the grace of God. That, 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 that is our common bond in this room, right? We got people in here of different color, of different race. We got people in here of different uh, backgrounds. We got people here that are younger and older and younger in the faith and older in the faith. We've got all kinds of different people in this room. But the one thing that, that, that binds us together is that we have in common is that we are sinners. And we recognize we're sinners and we fall short and we are saved by the grace of God. And that's the gospel. That's, that's the good news, right? I mean, think about our our culture today and just how divided we are as a culture. I mean, we're divided over a, a, a myriad of things. And yet what we see here is that the gospel breaks down that hostility that divides. Amen? And that's how the gospel forms community. Right? Regardless of our backgrounds, right? We, we, it doesn't matter if, if you like different food from me. It doesn't matter if you you know, where you're at in your, 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 your family life, if you've got older kids and I've got younger kids, you know, we come together and we have this common bond, and that is that we're sinners, man, and we're saved by grace. That, that's what holds us, that's what binds us together, Jesus. He's at the center. And not only that, man, but listen, our, our unity is one of the best ways that we reach a world that is lost, that was without Jesus. I mean, whether you know it or not, our fellowship, our meeting together, our, our doing life together is a part of God's design for reaching the world. Uh, Acts 2.47, we read it, it says people were, were praising God and having favor with all people. I mean, not, not just Christian people, but all people, e- even outsiders. I mean, the unity of the church, I like what Francis Schaeffer 
uh, says, he says, the unity of the, the church is the great apologetic. It's the, it's the great defense of our faith. And it's true, man. When I think about it, when outsiders, people who don't know Jesus, when they look inside the church and they see the church is fighting and they see the church is not unified and they see the church outside and they see people they work with who claim to be Christians who are, who are bitter and, and not glad and generous hearted, you know, that they see that, right? They're, they're thinking, I don't want any part of that, right? That's what they're thinking. But man, when people on the outside look inside the church, they see a group of people who are so diverse, who are so different, who, who, are, who are, some are rich and some are poor and some are whatever, and they, they look and they say, how do you guys do it? How do you guys get along? How do you guys work together? How do you guys seem to be together and be unified, right? What's our answer? Our answer is Jesus, right? When, when you're at, at the workplace, you know, and, and you have that, that kind of unity, people see that, right? And, and, and they say, well, what about your, what about your personal preferences, right? What, what, if, what if somebody says something and it's offensive? What if, what if somebody wants, you know, uh, blue chairs instead of brown chairs, you know? Well, what do you say? Well, you know, I say, you know, I, I, I've been crucified with Christ. And it's, I no longer live, but it's Christ that lives in me. And I can put down personal preferences because this is my brother and this is my sister, and we're sinners and we're saved by grace, and, and we're, we're together. We're together. You know, John, uh, John, who is one of Jesus' disciples, records Jesus' longest prayer in John 17. In verses 20 and 21, he, this is what Jesus prayed. He says, I do not ask uh, for these only, talking about his disciples that were with him, but also for those who will believe in me through their, their word, which is us here today. And this is what he says, that they may all be one unity, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Right? Our unity, our togetherness is a great apologetic. It's how we defend our faith. It's that people see that and they're like, how do you do that? How can you, how can you get along? How can you? And it's because of the gospel. The gospel forms community. And we see that taking place here in this infant church. There's no other way to explain it. Right? There were no individual lone rangers in, in Acts. You don't see that in the early church. There's no one who says, well, I'm going to do my life. I'm going to do life by myself. I'm just going to stay over here, you know. And you just don't see that. It's, it's, you just don't see that. The gospel forms community. So we get the point, man, that they were together. At least I hope you get it. If not, I can go back through it. <laughs> um, I'm just making sure you guys are awake. That's all. That's my test. That's my test. Uh, so we get the point that they were together. But, but what, what did they do when they, they got together? And this is the second thing uh, that I want to show you how the gospel forms community. And that is they worship together. Now, there, there are several elements that we see here, and we're, we're not going to go, um, like, dive into each one of them. But, but you see, they, 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 they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And they always did the same thing, right? Whether, whether they were in a large group in the temple or they met in the homes, it was always these four elements. Now, what is the apostles' teaching? Because obviously they didn't have the New Testament when they were doing this. this is the church just was birthed. Uh, but the apostles' teaching would be the gospel. It would be the good news. It would be that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. It would be basically what we have in the New Testament. That that's would be the apostles' teaching. And it would be some of the Old Testament scriptures, right? That they taught the whole counsel of God, right? All scripture is God-breathed and useful. 
And so that would be what the apostles' teaching is. Um, I love what uh, um, Peter, who, who just preached this sermon in Acts 2, he writes another uh, little letter later on in the New Testament. And in 1 Peter uh, chapter uh, 2, he writes these words. Um, he says, like newborn infants, long for pure spiritual milk, which is, is the Word of God, the Bible, that by it you may grow up into salvation. And what he means there is that by it you may mature, you may be discipled. Right? That the more you are in the Word of God, the more you are going to grow. And listen to me, the more you are in the Word of God with other people together in community, you are going to grow and mature. And that's what he's saying. I love the imagery here, right? Peter's like, like. He says, like newborn infants. I mean, our, our youngest, Asher, is, is 18, about to, is he 18 months? He's 18 months old. 18 months old, it's crazy. Oh, no, 18. Yeah, 18 months old. And uh, he, he, <laughs> sorry. Uh, time is flying by. But anyways, he loves milk. I mean, he, he, is, he loves it. And we can't get milk out of the fridge without him going bonkers, man, and just wanting it, you know. And so that, that's what Peter is saying. He's like, Man, long for it, regardless if you have been a Christian forever or you are a new Christian, long for the Bible, long for the words of God. And, and, and here's the thing, man, if you're here this morning, and I've said this before, that if, you, if you're like, man, I just, I just don't have that desire, Aaron, to be in the Word of God. Man, I would just encourage you to pray for the desire. Just pray daily, God, give me the desire to be in your Word. There, there are lots of resources out there, man. I see tons of you out on Version, which is a Bible app on your phone. I mean, I, I love seeing the fact that you're in the Word regularly. That's awesome, man. When, you, when you're in your small groups, you need to be in the Word of God, right? You, you need to do that. And so, man, it's just, it's just a good thing. And so I pray, I pray that you will pray for that, okay? But it says, to, to the breaking of... Bread. Now, I want to point out again the definite article before each of these. It says, to the breaking of bread. And, and to me, uh, as I study this, that's a clear reference to the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is something that we do here every single week at, at Chester Christian Church that we'll do here in just a few minutes. But I imagine that when this, this group of believers were together, they would have this meal. And at some point during that meal, they would stop and they would they would break the bread. When Jesus was with his disciples the night before he went to the cross, he had this meal with his disciples. And he said, this bread represents my body, which is broken for you. And then he took the juice and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant. This is my blood that is poured out for you that covers over your sins. And, and so they took this meal together. They broke the bread together constantly, continually, remembering Jesus who died for them. That's why they did it. They wanted to constantly be reminded. Right? It wasn't, it wasn't, the, way I, the way I read that is they didn't even do it just once a week. Right? We do it once a week here. Some churches will do it uh, once a month or, or whatever it is. But, but the way I read this, man, when they say devoted, right? I mean, to me, this is every other day they were getting together, right? They would mean, it just, they were breaking, they wanted to constantly be reminded of the one who died for them. It says they, they, they were devoted to the, the prayers. They, they were a praying church. They, they were totally reliant and dependent on God. 
You know, I love the fact that we have a prayer team ministry here. Um, we're growing in this area. We, we've been growing in this area for a long time. And um, I, I just love the fact. One, one, of the, one of the coolest things that's happened to me in the last six, seven months is I have had a group of people who are part of the prayer team that approached me late last year and said, man, we, wanna, we want to start meeting with you early Sunday mornings and praying before every service, before every Sunday. And that, that has been a blessing to my heart, and it has made a huge difference. You know, so the, you see here, this, this is a church that was a, a praying church right from the beginning. Um, I mean, the, the infant church, you, you see here, they, this is a, a, an infant church that knew the importance of these elements in worship. That they knew the importance of being together in unity. And it tells us that they were devoted to these things. It literally reads that they were continually devoting themselves. In other words, they had a steadfast, single-minded devotion to these things. Like nothing else was going to get in the way of these things. And I am convinced that one of the key differences between this infant early church and our churches today in the Western culture is that this infant church knew themselves to need the worship gathering. I mean, you see it. I mean, they met continually. Like, they knew how important it was to be around other believers together. I mean, a, a few of us got together yesterday uh, and at Starbucks, and we met for about an hour, hour and a half, and, and, and that was encouraging. Like, I, I walked away from there encouraged. And we talked about Scripture, and we talked about the Word of God, and we talked about what He was doing in our lives. And I, I was walking, as a matter of fact, we got a text message from one of the guys last night and said, man, I was really encouraged by today. Like that, that, that's this, this early church, that they knew the importance of meeting together. Because you know why? They, they knew that they were in a spiritual war zone. They knew that. They, they, they knew, I mean, this is an infant church, it was the, it was the first church, and as we read through the book of Acts, you're going to see that they're experiencing persecution, uh, people are going to lose their lives. I mean, people today lose their lives in other parts of the world, but I think that's, that's the thing, like over here in the West, we, we're not really threatened by persecution per se, right? I mean, somebody might make fun of you for bringing a Bible to work or whatever, but that's not, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think that's why they had this, this sense of this, this need but, but here's the reality, and I just want to be honest with you, man. Even though we might not be experiencing persecution per se, we are still experiencing, we are in the middle of a spiritual war zone. I mean, I, I, if, you don't, if you don't know, I'm telling you, man, there, there, there is a spiritual battle going on that you are not even aware of for your soul. Now, this is just this was, this is the truth. And, and this, is, this is what we've got to understand, man. We, we just... They, they, they saw that they needed this. Listen, they, they, we live in a day and an age where it is very popular. It was, it's almost like cultural Christianity. Right? I mean, this, this is the spiritual battle. We may not be facing persecution, but this is the spiritual battle that we face, and I don't even think we're aware of it, right? We live in a day and age of cultural Christianity, and what I mean by that is, is as a whole, our culture is moving further and further and further and further away from the Bible. Listen to me. When I say cultural Christianity, I mean, you can go to a lot of churches today, 
And I'm not bashing on the church. I'm just saying, you, 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 and, it, and it seeps in. It, it's, it's very subtle. It's very slow moving. And if you're not, if you're not paying attention, man, you can, you can be right there with it. And what happens is they, they, they go in, they'll preach feel-good messages. They'll preach uh, you, you can do it type of messages. It's all about you type thing. And there's no gospel there, right? There's no, again, we sing holy, holy, holy. There's no, there's no sense of God's holiness. There's no sense of, of, of my sin and how unholy I am and how wretched I am and how dirty of a heart that I have. You, listen, there, there was, there was a, a poll that was taken uh, just, just, just to make the point here, and they were asked, a group of people were asked, uh, what's, your, what's your biggest sin? What do you think your biggest sin is? And these people's response was like, you know, um, you know, dirty laundry room or my laundry room or, or my closets. Or clo- I mean, they, they were, you see what I'm saying? Like this, and this is serious. They were being serious. And then I'm like, that's not even a sin, you know? Uh, but, but, but the point is, like, we've lost that understanding of, of who God is and His holiness, and, and we don't understand our sin and, and, and how that relates because we're not in the Word of God and, and, and we're, because we don't see it. Like this, this early church, we don't see it as a, a need. And that, that's, that's where I'm afraid that, man, the spiritual battle is just raging and it's, 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 we just got to see it. Do we realize, I mean, listen, the distractions of this world, I mean, the, the busyness of life. How many of us are like so busy, like we just can't even keep up? Right, our kids are in so many different activities and sports and different things like that. And I'm not dissing those things. I love those things. But I'm just saying, like, what can happen, man, is we can just, we, we don't understand we're in this battle. And these things can just consume us. And the next, the, what, what happens, man, is these things start falling by the wayside. And this early church, man, they knew. They knew the importance. They knew the importance. Uh, I love, uh, I, I was talking to my, my friend this week, my accountability partner, and we were just talking about some things, and he actually said something. I said, I'm going I'm to steal that and use that this week, uh, so I'll give my, my, my good buddy Dave credit on this, but he says, you know, I'm convinced the more that we are in the Word of God, the more that we are in prayer together and, and, and whenever, and living in community with each other, the more we are going to grow spiritually, right? What Peter says, you're going to grow up into your salvation. You're going to be discipled and grow in maturity. And the more that we grow spiritually, the more we will see just how broken we are. Listen to me, the more that you're in the Word, the more that you're studying, the more that you're praying, the more that you're being discipled and living in community. Listen to me, when you live in community, you're going to be exposed your sin. You can't hide your flaws if you're being honest, right? And that's what the gospel allows us to do is to be honest. And it's just, it, that's how you're going to grow. And it's going to draw us closer to the cross of Jesus. Let, let's move on. I just want to say this too, man. Ne- next week is parent-infant uh, dedication. Where we're going to have a bunch of babies up on stage. We're going to dedicate them. And it's going to be a really cool experience. And I'm excited about it. But one of the things that we constantly tell parents, man, is, is, is man, these, these things are super important for you as a parent uh, to, to, to kind of make it, make it personal. Because if, if, if these things are not in you as a parent, then you can't expect it to be in your kids, right? If you're not modeling these things, if you're not modeling the gospel in your home, if you're not, if you're not in the Word with your kids and praying with your kids, then when they get older and they're not, they're not in it and you're like, why not? 
You know, you, you know what I'm saying? That's, that's how I would just, we encourage parents to make it personal and create those, those daily rhythms, whether it be mealtimes, bedtime, whatever it is, to just pour into your kids. And um, I said, we'll talk more about that next week, but that, that's a good thing. Finally, uh, it says they devoted themselves to the fellowship. And I saved this for last because I love this, this word fellowship. Uh, when we think of fellowship, we might think of like potluck meal. Uh, which is awesome, by the way. I love potluck meals. I love eating. I love getting together. Uh, but, but this word means so much more than that. The Greek word that's used here is the, is the word koinonia. And that root meaning is, is commonness. It means partnership. It means sharing. And I want you to know, man, this kind of fellowship did not exist before the giving of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. As a matter of fact, this is the first occurrence of the word in the New Testament and, and, and here in Acts, the emphasis of this word is on that, that, that sharing, that partnership, that contributing and giving, which means that the foundation of this early infant church of Christians it was, it was the fellowship of giving. And that, that's shown in verses 44 and 45. It says that, And all who believed were together and had all things in common. That word common there is the Greek word koinonia. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any who had need. This was a church that was marked by generosity and bearing each other's burdens. And the only explanation for that type of generosity is the gospel. They had been changed and transformed by the gospel to the point that, that it had gotten inside and they were being changed from the inside out. And, and they recognized, they recognized that, that the, the God who graciously sent Jesus to this earth, right, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave, he gave his one and only son. They recognized that this, this generous God, that everything that they had belonged to him anyways. And so they lived with open hands, right? They, they didn't say anything was their own, and yet they saw somebody in need. They, they hey, you know, I got this boat over here, I'll sell this boat. And, and they did things like they sacrificed for each other. I love what the Apostle Paul writes to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8. Uh, he's talking about this idea of, of giving. As a matter of fact, the word is the same word, koinonia, that he uses in that verse, chapter 8, verse 9. But he's talking to the Corinthian church, and he's trying to encourage them. He says, I want you guys to give an offering to this famine relief. And he doesn't, he doesn't guilt them, right? He doesn't guilt them by saying, hey, you, you need to do this or whatever. But, but he just, he, he points them to the gospel because the gospel is the best motivation for change, by the way. And this is what he says. He says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. See, this, this, this early church, this infant church, man, they, they, they knew that. They, they saw that, and it changed them from the inside out. That they made the, the grace of God visible through generous acts. They were demonstrating the love of God. Like John, John 13, Jesus tells his disciples, he says, that the world will know you, my disciples, by the love that you have for one another. And they were modeling that. This is why people were like, what is going on with this new community? This is why they had the favor of all people. Like, this is something that nobody had ever seen before. They, they had never seen a community like this, man, where, where, where people were together and, and unified and, and they were acting this way and it was counterculture. But that's how the gospel forms community. And that's what you see here. I mean, it was a, 
It was a, a compelling community. It was a, a community that people were drawn to, right? I mean, it was an impacting community. People came to know Jesus. It says, the, verse 47, that the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. As far as I know, they didn't have an evangelistic program. They didn't hire an outreach guy. You know what I mean? They didn't, they didn't say, hey, we're going we're gonna to make flyers and pass out, come attend the New Jerusalem church or whatever. They didn't do that. It was because of people saw change, right? People saw that they were like, who are these, who are these Christians that, are, that have glad and generous hearts? Who, who are these people that are, that are treating women with respect and dignity? And who, who are these guys over here who are very wealthy, who are, who are just giving money away to help the poor and it was just different, and people were drawn to that because the gospel had changed them. I mean, listen, there was a sense of God's presence, verse 43, the awe, a sense of awe came over people. Did people sense God's presence in this place? Man, we pray, we pray every week that they do, I can tell you that. They've been so changed by the gospel that people wanted to know what was going on, right? There was the buzz in Jerusalem. Why? Because of their togetherness, their unity, because of their worship, because the gospel forms community. Amen? Does that make sense? Let's pray together. Father God, we just thank you. Thank you for your word. We thank you for the, this, infant, this infant photo of the early church here, God, that we have, and um, Father, I pray that as we have studied through this and as we take our, our programs that we got this week with the, the, the questions on the, the back, God, I pray that we would just continue to study this and just chew on this and think about our own lives, God, and where we're at and um, how important it is to, to, to be a part of a church and a community, God, and how, how important it is. God, I pray that you would just convict us and show us and give us those desires, God. Help us to see our sin and and. and, and how holy you are, God, and our need for Jesus. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.